Welcome to another episode of the Alter Your Health Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, hello and welcome. We value your time and energy and hope you receive a lot from tuning in. As a listener-supported show, we rely on you to help us grow. We'd be so grateful if you share the show or a favorite episode with a friend or fellow health seeker. Living a healthy and nourishing life doesn't always come easily, especially in today's crazy world. But that's why we're here, doing what we love, hopefully helping you along with information and inspiration that fuels your health pursuits. If you're looking for more support, consider subscribing to the monthly Meal Guide membership. Just $11 per month gets you access to a weekly meal guide filled with healing and delicious whole food plant-based recipes, along with invitations to our regularly scheduled support calls where we can connect, answer questions, and keep the good vibes flowing in our healthy lives. You can learn more at www.alter.health slash meal dash guides. And if you're looking for more in-depth support, check out our other services. We offer both one-on-one consulting as well as educational programs. All of our current offerings are listed at www.alter.health. Our ultimate goal is to empower you to heal yourself. Keeping with that theme, let's dive into today's show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Alter Your Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Ben. I'm a naturopathic doctor specializing in whole food, plant-based nutrition, and mind-body medicine, empowering you to heal yourself. And today on the podcast, I'm excited to talk about food and really address a very common question that comes up regularly with clients, with random folks, you know, people on the street, people who are curious, because there's a lot of ways to eat plants. And that is the question of raw food versus cooked food. And before we get into today's conversation, I want to do a little uh, 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 commercial for our advertiser <laughs> advertisement today. Um, this episode is brought to you by Alter Health. And Alter Health is, of course, your place for nutritional education and inspiration in whole food, plant-based living, as well as mind-body medicine. So our offerings that are sponsoring today's episode, and this is, you know, kind of a joke, but the fact is that this is how we keep these episodes going. So our meal guide membership is a great way to receive healthy inspiration every week of the year. You can sign up for the whole year and actually receive two months free. It's just $11 a month, but you can sign up for the whole year for just $110, I believe it is. Uh, Yeah. So you can get healthy, whole food, plant-based balanced meals, some raw food, some cooked food delivered to your inbox, not like the food itself, but the recipes and you do the work to prepare it and eat it and feel great. Um, so that is just $11 a month. And then another great opportunity, which is very time sensitive is the cleanse and the alter health cleanse starts this weekend. Our first cleanse meeting is on Friday. Um, the cleansing itself starts on Sunday. This is just a really great way to dive in headfirst into whole food, plant-based living and clean things up and actually move towards more and more raw food into, uh, the diet for just a short period of time. Um, we're going to be talking about how and why it uh, might be helpful to eat more raw food. So anyways, that cleanse is a great way to start your year and refine and reboot yourself to your healthy habits. Um, so all that kind of stuff you can find at www.alter.health. Now on to the show. So let's talk about raw food and cooked food. And um, yeah, you know, 
I, I just want to be preface this conversation with uh, sharing my personal experience. I actually came into whole food plant-based nutrition through a quote unquote raw vegan sort of uh, diet lifestyle. I, I was mostly raw for, you know, I, people like to kind of quantify their percentage raw. I would say I was probably 80% raw or so for the better part of a year, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. Um, and I felt great. I felt really great, you know, and I kind of slowly got there. I just kind of started to take things out of my diet. I actually, one, one of the more inspiring figures in my life was David Avocado Wolf. Um, this was what, like 12 years ago or so. And, um, so I learned about raw foodism and took it pretty seriously and felt great. And then maybe some of you have heard the story. I got into, I started naturopathic medical school and was very much whole food plant-based, not anymore raw, uh, but then, you know, moved into a home with chickens in the backyard and kind of the, the Portland, Oregon lifestyle, the farm to table sort of thing. And then the naturopathic, uh, let's just, the naturopathic kind of vibe is more of like the paleo orientation versus like the plant-based vegan orientation. So anyways, I kind of uh, slowly started to eat more animal products for a couple of years and also felt great. Um, but then I didn't feel that great. And I cleaned things up again. And you guys already know that my my way of eating now is what I refer to as very much a balanced whole food plant-based lifestyle. I don't really prioritize raw food or cooked food. I think it's important to blend the both. So I, I have a lot of experience um, in this in this world personally and also professionally. And I want to talk about the benefits of raw food and the benefits of cooked food and how we can healthfully balance our intake of raw food and cooked food, and when we might want to prioritize eating more raw food, um, like when in the year, when in our life cycles, when when in our like health, um, and also um, how to do that in a way that's going to be sustainable and not going to lead us to depletion. Um, so Right off the bat, let's talk about raw food and kind of what raw food has going for it. And people talk about raw food as being a source of, for sure, like the hydration, you know, raw food and the fruits and vegetables. Let's, let's just kind of cut to the chase here. Like when we're eating raw food, it's mainly fruits and vegetables, right? You can't really eat the raw starchy vegetables that well. I've actually sliced up a, a sweet potato and like eaten a raw sweet potato, but we don't really get full access to the nutrition in starchy vegetables. We certainly don't get full access to the nutrition in legumes. Um, it's actually can be kind of harmful to eat uh, um, raw legumes with the exception of some sprouted legumes like mung beans and whatnot. Um, and then whole grains as well as big category of food. It's hard to eat whole grains raw. Again, with some exceptions, buckwheat, raw oats, um, these sort of things. But in general, when we're talking about raw food, we're talking about fruits and vegetables. And a lot of raw food people also eat a lot of nuts and seeds and avocado. Some, some, a lot of raw food people even prioritize oils and the processed things that, of course, we've got other op episodes of the podcast talking about why we might, might want to avoid oils for our health. Um, but in general, when we're talking about eating like a quote unquote balanced 
nourishing raw food diet. It's really all about the hydration that this food provides you. The hydration and then, of course, the vitamin and mineral nutrient density. Um, And people also talk about raw food raw foods as having more enzymes in them. There's of course the magic number of, I think it's 118 degrees Fahrenheit and people want to, um, keep their food below 118 degrees Fahrenheit. So they, so they might dehydrate food at a very low temperature to preserve the enzymes that are locked into raw whole plant foods. And those enzymes of course are helpful in, you know, healthy digestion of the raw fruits and vegetables. Um, and the enzymes and some other nutrients for that matter are degraded with heat. So when we cook, when we cook the raw foods and raise the temperature of our food, we break down some of the nutrients and for sure, most of the enzymes. So hopefully that kind of paints the picture of what raw food has going for it. Again, just to recap the hydration, the nutrient density, the enzyme content, and I guess more from more of an energetic standpoint, like the life, the vibration, you know, I think when you hold a fresh mango in your hand and kind of like start to enjoy that mango, it feels very different than when you hold a sweet potato that's been cooked or baked or steamed or whatever. And it's, it's equally nourishing, you could say, but it, it feels very different. It kind of has a different effect in the body. I guess you could, you could kind of look at that from more of like an Ayurvedic perspective of, you know, you know, more higher, I don't know, I'm not, can't, I'm not really good at the language to describe it, but hopefully you get what I'm talking about. The raw food benefits are, 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 you know, are, are vast, you know, and we definitely want to be eating raw food. And for sure, um, the cooked food benefits also are there as well. So let's talk about cooked food for a little bit. And for my understanding, again, I'm not like a historical anthropologist or anything like that, but my understanding is that uh, using fire and cooking material to, to cook food is really what allowed human uh, humanity to flourish and thrive and kind of evolve. And from my understanding, like grow a brain side, like grow, grow a significant brain um, and whatnot. And that's because when you cook food, when we cook food, we can get access to the starch and the more calorically dense parts of the food, the more the, the fuel that is going to energize us a little bit more so. Um, so I'm talking about the potatoes and the tubers and the starchy vegetables and this winter squash and these things like that. And also the legumes and the intact whole grains, like when we, in order to really uh, access the, the nourishment and, and fuel that these foods have to offer, we've got to cook them. Um, so of course, uh, when we do cook them, yeah, maybe we degrade some of the vitamins. We, we degrade some of the enzymes and nutrients to some extent. Uh, but for sure we gain access to a lot of the essential fuel that let's face it, fuel is like the body's highest priority. You know, if we're starving, if we're stranded, if we're, we're famished, uh, you know, hopefully we're going for like a big pot of like brown rice and beans and spinach versus like a couple mangoes and bananas and uh, uh, like a, a handful of uh, kale or something like that. You know, the, the, the more calorically dense food is going to be cooked for the most part, right? For the most part. Um, so 
that's that's an important thing to know. And the other thing about cooked food, like I said, some of the nutrients get degraded when we cook the food, but there are other nutrients that actually become more bioavailable when we steam vegetables and saute vegetables. Um, so, you know, I think it in the end, like nutrient quality is kind of a wash. Um, so like the, the nutrients in, in raw vegetables versus cooked vegetables, you don't really have to think about, oh, I better eat a lot of raw vegetables in order to get a lot more nutrients. Um, now the water content and the hydration for sure, like that's really important. You know, if you've ever, you know, had a, you know, chomped on a few celery sticks, it's like, you know, hydrating, no doubt. And uh, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, celery, you know, it's what, like, two calories per celery stick. And some people make the joke that you like you burn more calories or energy eating a stick of celery than you do getting the, the nutrients from that stick of celery. Um, but the fact is that the water in, in that celery, you know, like 98 99% water, whatever it is, is some of the best water on the planet. It's been it's been um, filtered by the earth, filtered by the plant, and then kind of locks in all of this life, locks in all of these nutrients and vitamins and minerals. And then we kind of, it's kind of like a, like a, the best sports drink that we could ever get is just like eating raw fruits and vegetables. And then of course people can juice the raw fruits and vegetables, get even greater access to those vitamins and minerals. Um, so, so that's something to know. Now, let's talk about the risks associated with eating like a high raw diet, a, a raw food predominant diet. And it all really boils down to one thing, and that is malnourishment. And that's because eating a raw vegan diet is very difficult. Um, it actually is, uh, it's very difficult to eat enough food to get enough nourishment when just focusing on the raw fruits and vegetables. Again, that's because the cooked foods contain more caloric density. And that's why maybe it can be beneficial to weave some of that in. So the main, the main risk is just not getting enough food, not getting enough food fuel when focusing on raw vegan nutrition. That being said, a lot of people do get enough fuel, do get enough food. I always say like if I lived in Hawaii, if I lived in Costa Rica, if I lived in the tropics, I would probably be predominantly raw because all of that kind of stuff is ideally like in, in the paradise growing right out the door. Right. So, you know, we've got greater access to that sort of food depending on where we live um, for someone living at higher latitudes to try and be raw vegan. I think it's going to be really difficult, not only due to the access of the fuel, but also I think an important consideration is also just the body's adaptation to different weathers and different climates and what like what whatnot. A lot of people just simply thrive better on more raw food when they're closer to the equator. It's really as simple as that. Um, so that, you know, that, that being said, like the, the like I said, like the main risk is just malnourishment and you'll hear stories. I mean, I, every once in a while, there'll be a story of, you know, some family raising a kiddo raw vegan and the kiddo like, you know, got really sick. Or I think there's even been, been cases of kids, you know, little kids dying on a raw vegan diet because they're not getting enough food. And, you know, yeah, I guess that is the, that's, that's no one else's fault, but the parents for, for not really 
balancing that, that nutrition properly. Now, that being said, of course, it is possible just to reiterate it and, and, and emphasize the fact that it is possible and very healthy to eat raw foods when we're doing it properly. That is when we're getting enough. And um, again, it does take a lot of food, a lot of raw food specifically to meet our energy and nutritional needs. Um, so we just have to, it's, it's kind of like a full-time job being a raw foodist, unless you're living on a fruit farm where, you know, you're just ha have full access to all that kind of stuff all the time. Um, so next I want to talk about, well, well, I talked about the risks of raw eating predominantly raw food. Now the risks of eating predominantly cooked food are also kind of nutrient depletion, you know, because if we're just eating cooked food, then maybe we don't have access to all the living vitamins and minerals that might be more bioavailable from the, um, from the raw fresh fruits and vegetables. Now I said that some of those vitamins and minerals do become more bioavailable and bioactivated when we cook them. But generally speaking, like we, we do like the, the, the raw fresh food is going to be more nourishing, but Assuming that we have some amount of rough, rough, fresh fruits and vegetables produce in our diet every single day, we don't really have to worry about it. Now, um, I want to talk about special considerations for people depending on can health conditions that they might be experiencing. And this, of course, kind of leads itself into the idea of like, what is our ultra health cleanse, right? And the fact that raw fruits and vegetables are so much more hydrating and generally more nutrient dense means that they more effectively promote detoxification in the body. Um, they, when, again, when we're getting enough of them, enough of these raw fruits and vegetables, they promote, you know, cellular regeneration and repair and kind of, you know, deep healing in that way. Now, again, just to, I think I've said it like nine or 10 times, we got to get enough like we, and it's, and if we're doing a raw vegan diet for any period of time, you know, we've got to stay on top of it. And I want to take just a quick little tangent I, before I go too far, I want to share, where's my thing? Oh, I want to share a study. This caught my attention um, a couple years ago. And you see here the title of the study for those just listening, I'll read it to you. The title of the study is Consequences of a Long-Term Raw Food Diet on Body Weight and Menstruation, Results of a Questionnaire Survey. So you probably can't read this, but I'm going to zoom in a little bit and just read the last, um, the conclusion here of this, you know, I'm not going to obviously read this whole paper, but the conclusion is that the consumption of a raw food diet is associated with a high loss of body weight since many raw food dieters exhibit exhibited underweight and, um, since many raw food dieters exhibited underweight and amenorrhea or loss of their menses, a very strict raw food diet cannot be recommended on a long-term basis. And the reason for this, again, you know, the, the, this particular study doesn't really dive into the weeds too deeply to investigate like why is eating a raw food diet leading to amenorrhea or the loss of menses, which for those of you who <laughs> do have periods, um, the, the females listening, uh, that's a significant thing. You know, having regular menses is obviously a sign of health and not having regular menses is a sign of imbalance. So it is a, an important health marker, regular healthy menstrual cycles. 
Um, so this is, of course, pointing to the fact that low body weight is what leads to amenorrhea. Now, what leads to low mo- body weight? Malnourishment. So back to what I said before, you know, the raw vegan lifestyle can be done pr- appropriately in a balanced sort of way where we're getting enough food. But it's very difficult. It's so difficult that this study here even comes to the conclusion that it's not recommended. Um, now, I don't know if the participants in the study where where they were geographically and obviously um, exactly what they were eating, but I could make the conclusion myself that the participants of this study were not eating enough. And that's what led to the depletion of body weight and the lack of menstrual, regular menstrual cycles, which again is an important thing to consider when choosing and balancing our diet. Um, so of course, um, it goes without saying that we can, we can lose our menses and become not me, but you or, or those with a menses can lose it and become a um, while eating a whole food plant-based diet that isn't just raw. Again, if you're not eating enough, that's a very, not very common, but you know, a common enough side effect from being malnourished is losing menses. Um, so something to consider. So that's kind of the main factor or main risk factor of eating strictly raw. The main risk factor for eating strictly cooked is just kind of general depletion of the healing nutrients that our body needs to optimize metabolism and detoxify. Um, And I don't know about you, but whenever, whenever I, it's not very often, but whenever I start the day without a smoothie, you know, without kind of a, a really hydrating morning with like lots of water, you know, maybe a juice and smoothie and that sort of thing. I kind of feel blah. I kind of feel like my body is lacking energy. Um, so starting the day with a flood of hydration from fruits and vegetables, because again, fruits and vegetables are giving us lots of water, um, but also like the optimal best water available on the planet. Um, now, a lot of people, when talking about balancing raw food and cooked food, they get really nuanced and micromanage things like, okay, you got to steam your kale because you can't have the oxalates in the kale. <laughs> I don't, I, that's not a real thing. Actually, kale is a low oxalate vegetable. Um, but in any case, like people come up with all these ideas and considerations like and parings, right? Like, oh, you should eat your spinach with some citrus because spinach is rich in iron and citrus is rich in vitamin C. And you need the vitamin C to make the iron more bioavailable. And if you don't have the vitamin C rich food with the iron rich foods, then you're not going to get your iron, blah, 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 blah. But the cool thing is that all whole plant foods actually have all, pretty much all nutrients. Uh, and to that, I would add, not only do they have all nutrients, but they have all nutrients in a perfectly balanced, amazingly complex synergistic way that allows us to access and balance our physiology in relationship to them. Um, so the cool thing is we don't need to overthink this. And one of my favorite, all-time favorite books that kind of unpacks this topic and really debunks reductionistic nutritional science is the book Whole by T. Colin Campbell. It's like a great read. And um, it's it's just, you know, not too heady, not too scientific, just enough, just enough science. Um, but it debunks all that reductionistic science to just really allow us to rest and relax and trust the fact that when we eat whole plant foods, 
nature knows how to micromanage and balance our nutrition for us. And we just have to eat enough of them. And maybe, yeah, with a little bit of consideration, like we shouldn't just be eating carrot sticks and celery and hummus, like every single day for months on end. Uh, but with any sort of diversity of our nutritional habits and food choices, we will be perfectly set up for success and balance in our whole food plant-based lifestyle. Um, so yes, lastly, I want to talk about kind of relating to the cooked food and the raw food and how to weave that in. Like, okay, should I just eat a, a bowl of steamed rice and a handful of like raw spinach on there and like, and raw carrot sticks and raw this or that, and a raw banana chopped onto my rice. Like, I don't know. Like there's a lot of ways to combine foods. Right. Um, but it is worth noting that there is a little bit of science and strategy to optimal food combining when talking about raw food and cooked food. And it really is pertaining mostly, and this, this information is mostly for people who have maybe a more sensitive digestive system, tend to have more gas and bloating and like feel like, oh, I don't know if I can do all this whole plant foods. I just, you know, feel bloated all the time. And just as a reminder, we've talked about this a number of times before, but gas and bloating is not a pathologic thing. It's not a bad thing to feel bloated. Um, of course, chronic ongoing gas and bloating, we want to investigate that. But gas and bloating is just a normal natural consequence to the shift and that adaptation of our microbiome. So as we kind of move into a higher fiber plant-based diet, we're going to have gas and bloating. Now, of course, that gas and bloating is going to plateau and, and go back to normalcy. And we're not going to be like scaring our friends and family and <laughs> having them and people aren't going to have to leave the room when they're around us. Like, and, you know, and to that effect, uh, the gas that we do, might have generally is not going to be of the stinky variety. Um, the stinky variety might come and go. But if stinky gas persists, reach out. Um, there might be some sort of imbalance that can be worked out. Um, but the fact is that gas and bloating is not pathologic. And as we stick with a higher fiber diet, we normalize and diversify our microbiome. Um, but that being said, you know, it might be helpful to think about combining raw food and cooked food and, and with a little bit of forethought and strategy. And that's primarily due to the fact that raw food is generally digested more quickly than cooked food. And therefore raw food does best be eaten kind of on its own and also maybe like before cooked food and specifically fruits. Maybe some of you have heard this before fruits. We just think about eating like an apple or a banana or an orange or something like that. That apple or that piece of fruit is going to be broken down and moved through the stomach, the upper digestive system in a matter of like 20 minutes or so maybe even less for sure. Even like watermelon and melons and grapes and some of these even higher water content fruits are digested even more quickly. Um, so if we are kind of eating like a handful of grapes and watermelon and also have like this baked potato and this bowl of black beans, and, and we're just kind of like hodgepodge and things together, which I have to say, like that tends to happen for a lot of people at like a potluck or something like that. And that's not my favorite way. Like I'm not a huge fan of potlucks for that reason. I, I try to, whenever I'm at a potluck, I'm like, all right, how can I strategize this to be most uh, effective and balanced for my microbes in my gut? Um, but in any event, 
the raw foods and specifically the fruits are digested most quickly. Um, so a lot of people prefer to eat those on their own, even as like a quote unquote mono meal, just a meal of mangoes, just a meal of oranges, just a meal of melon or something like that. And then you can have that mono meal and then 30 minutes later, 45 minutes later or whatever, you can have some other, like another meal, like, you know, whatever else, whatever else comes next that's digested at a slower rate. Now, salads, leafy greens and raw vegetables and things like that, those are also digested pretty quickly. Um, you know, and for that reason, we like to have like a starter salad before dinner, um, you know, leafy greens and chopped cabbage and carrots and celery and tomatoes, whatever else. And that, you know, putting that in the stomach before dinner, you know, just like as the first course, you don't have to wait any extended period of time, but that kind of like moves through the stomach before the rest of the food. In my experience, if I, you know, and, and there's a lot of personalization and individualized nuance to this based on each individual microbiome. But in my experience, if I eat like a quote unquote heavier meal, you know, potatoes, legumes, whole grains, and those kind of starchy foods that are still really nourishing, but they just simply, you know, due to various factors take longer to digest and move through the stomach, maybe on the like an hour to two. If I eat that kind of food before a salad or or especially before some fruit, I will pff, invariably experience some gas and bloating. Again, it's not a pathologic thing. It's not going to like set my health goals back or anything like that, um, but it can be uncomfortable and potentially stinky for, for those around. Um, so to avoid that and to really optimize digestive digestion, these kind of, uh, you know, nuanced food combining considerations can be helpful. Um, so in terms of back to that idea of balancing and combining raw and cooked food, um, there's this whole idea that I learned from Dr. Susanna who learned from is it, was it freely the banana girl or something like that? The raw till four. Um, that is a, a popular idea that you're essentially eating raw food up until dinner time. And that's one way of, to think about it. It's kind of front loading your day with all the hydrating fruits and vegetables. And that's, that's really a great practice. Um, and then of course, after four, assuming that's like when dinner time is and dinner time can be like a, you know, heavier meal that may take a, a little bit longer to digest. Uh, but we're we've got all the other food kind of going through us before then. Um, so that's one way of thinking about it. Of course, in the winter time, myself, like depending on the weather, I wouldn't say that my my lunches are usually raw, you know, this time of year. In in the summertime, and when you know, de again, depending on where I'm at, depending on climate, depending on my my vibe, you know, I'm, I might do more raw food up until dinner time. Um, but again, that the whole idea is just that food, those food combining considerations and the raw till four thing is also kind of emphasizing the fact that putting the raw healing, nutrient dense, hydrating fruits and vegetables in our body in the beginning and middle of the day is really emphasizing all of the detoxification pathways that actually do take place uh, when we're sleeping and then into morning. So we do like to have a hydrating, uh, nutrient dense, raw sort of uh, breakfast to kind of keep the liver doing what it's designed to do early in the day. Um, so some things to think about, of course, uh, I think like the, the take home message here that seems to come up all the time for, for the work that we do is that 
this is an individualized journey. Um, there's so many ways to balance a whole food plant-based lifestyle. And when it comes down to it, um, it's really a matter of listening, like figuring out how to tune into our body, tune into the messages that we're, that we're receiving from our body, that we're receiving from our higher self, our intuition, whatever you want to call it, and really listening to that. And not, you know, that, that being said, of course, we, we provide meal plans and recipes and just another little, little commercial for that. The recipe, the meal plan is, is, is really a source of inspiration that helps, you know, keep people consistent in their whole food plant-based lifestyle. But we're all unique individuals and we all have unique preferences and unique microbiomes and the, our unique microbiome has unique influences on our epigenetic expression and experience of health and balance and biochemistry. So we need to respect that. And, you know, just because Joe Bob is eating like 95 bananas a day and like, you know, doing the raw vegan lifestyle and is telling you that you should be raw vegan too. And you got to do this in order to experience that, um, that not is not necessarily true. So hopefully this helps you to understand this more nuanced topic in whole food plant-based nutrition with a little bit more scrutiny and hopefully like also a little bit of scientific understanding as well. And um, again, appreciate you for tuning into this podcast episode. Feel free to like, subscribe, whatever, share with a friend who might be kind of sucked into some sort of nutritional dogma. And um, also just a reminder, if you do want to join the cleanse, if you are looking for a deep reset, you know, um, and, and, and this cleanse does kind of capitalize and focus on some of the things that we've talked about today, really moving us into us deeply hydrating and nourishing and detoxifying mostly raw whole food plant-based lifestyle for a period of time, because that has its benefits. And, um, and also then moving back into something that's more sustainable because let's face it, sustainability is key. Uh, so hopefully this resonates. Uh, if you've got any feedback or questions, or if you want to share how you're balancing your whole food plant-based diet in terms of raw versus cooked food, feel free to drop that in the comments. And thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Peace and love.